You are listening to the audio ministry for More Nations Church, Cardiff. I want to talk to you this morning about some friends. Uh, friends, uh, I've entitled a message, The Friends Who Went Through the Fire. Uh, it's no coincidence this morning of the prophetic words and the direction the Lord has taken us in. Because we're at All Nations Church, whether you're a visitor or a guest or whether you're a, uh, I hate to say member of this church, a, a living disciple, a covenant limb or whatever you want to call it. But this church is a covenant community. And I'm so thrilled in these months that we have been emphasizing again and recovering again and recapturing again what Charles said a couple of weeks ago, a plumb line. And uh, one aspect of that plumb line is that we are a covenant people because God is a covenant God. And I believe we're recapturing that. And this morning I, uh, I want to give an, uh, an angle on it. If you were here on Wednesday night with a prophet of God ailing to, and whenever a prophet of God is in town, you need to take opportunity to hear them. Let me emphasize, if you've got two prophets in here at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, and you free, you need to be here because hear what God is saying. There's so many voices out there, but you need to hear what God is saying. Um, but Elling told us that the fantastic time on Wednesday night, sharing with us about the fact that a covenant is not a thing. Covenant is Jesus. It's the very nature of God. And he makes covenants because he is a covenant. And that's why we're a covenant people. Um, in a moment, we're going to read Daniel chapter 3. We'll read the story that I want, pertains to our message this morning. But just some background, uh, just in case you're newly saved or you, you don't know the Bible story very well, that's okay. The backstory of this is that in 605 B.C., that's a long time ago, uh, the nation of Judah uh, began to go into exile into Babylon. It happened in three stages. And this was the first stage in 605 that uh, Babylon, with the self-styled king of kings and lord of lords called Nebuchadnezzar, and if you read the story, you'll, think, you'll find that he came to a greater awareness of who is king of kings. Nebuchadnezzar came and began the exile by taking away the top echelons of society in Jerusalem. Included in that were Daniel, uh, plus three friends. We'll look at them in a moment. And they, if you read Daniel chapter 1, they were trained for life and work in the administration of the Babylonian kingdom. And they spent the rest of their life there. And the great thing was they all prospered and rose to great prominence in the kingdom. Why? Because God was with them. And they resolved and devoted themselves to God. And uh, let's read just uh, a few verses from Daniel chapter 1. It says this, verse 6. Among these exiles from the descendants of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official of Babylon gave them different names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. And those are the names we normally, if you know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I still, after 50 years of reading this story, still have trouble remembering their original names. But their original names are are important for us. Hananiah means God has been gracious. Mishael means who is what God is. Azariah means Yahweh has helped me. Isn't that good? There's a whole message in there. We may come back to another time. It's interesting that Hananiah then was, instead of called God has been gracious, they called him Shadrach, which means a young friend of the king. Now, you might think that's a compliment, but basically what it is, it's Nebuchadnezzar trying to own him. and says, you belong to me now. You're under my control. Try to divide the three friends. Mishael, which means who is what God is, he called Meshach, which means little sheep. Made him less than he was. You're just a little sheep. Just suppress him, keep him down. Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped, he called Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo, who was a Babylonian god. Tend to get this man to compromise who he really was. That's not the basis of the message, but I just want to say this in passing. Whatever the world calls you, 
Let God define who you are. Let this word tell you who you really are. No matter what the world calls you, no matter what people of unbelief and unfaith call you, let God define you. You're a son of God. You're chosen before the creation of the world to be part of his family. That's who you really are. When we come together, we we are the sons of God. That's a wonderful thing. The other aspect is this, that in their friendship, each one of these three friends brought something distinctive of God to their friendship because of who they really were. God has been gracious, the gracious man. Who is what God is? There's no one like God. A man who stood, I don't care what the world says, I know who God is. A man who says, Yahweh has helped. He was a covenant man. God has helped us. And they had to call on that. But each one of them brought something specific of God into their friendship. Let me encourage you. In your friendship, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. Have friends who add something of God to you. I'm not asking you to be suspicious, but your real friends will add something of God to you. Not because you lack it, because we all have the Holy Spirit. But in your life, you're going to need friends who add something of God to you. Also, in all your friendships, be a friend who adds something of God to all your friendships. That make you really realize some of the friendships you thought were not real friendships. And some of the things you just thought were acquaintances are actually lifelong covenant friendships. God is doing a very important thing in our life in these days. Ask yourself, do you have friends who have add something to you of God? In your own friendship, are you a person who brings something of God into a relationship, into a friendship. Now these men trained together for three years. It's all likely that they became friends before this story, possibly back in Judah. And most of the story of Daniel is about Daniel, and, but Daniel chapter 3 is about them. And we're going to read the whole story. Is that okay? Uh, it's, we just have, it's just a great story. It's a wonderful true story. So we're going to read the story because this now is these men who established in this kingdom... The time came when they had to stand for what they really believed as friends. So we're going to read chapter 3. I'm reading from the Holman version. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges and magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. And then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And a herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, When all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Some Chaldeans, that's Babylonians, took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music 
must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you've appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he doesn't rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And when the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around them, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed. Their robes were unaffected. There was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to differ like this. And the king rewarded and promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And we never hear of them again. It's a wonderful story and gives us some very powerful, many, many things that we can only touch on this morning. There's some certain aspects. 
But I want to share certain things from this story about the aspects of their, their covenant friendship. Now let me say this in passing. Um, while I talk about friendship, um, covenant friendship is not confined by geography. Even though you work it out and you live it out. Geography is important, but geography is not the only thing. In fact, in my own life, in most of the major crises of my life and Diane's and our life together, probably at those times, in certain of those circumstances, the closest friends that we, we had and still have today, at that particular time, were not living in the same city as us or in the same nation or even on the same continent. So what I'm not talking about now is getting together on a Wednesday night. It's much more than that. But geography is important because you have to build something, but it doesn't confine what I'm talking about today. Have you noticed as we read the story that the three are always mentioned together? That's important for you. In covenant friendship, the three are always mentioned together. They go together all the time. Now, three is not a magic number. It is a significant number in the Scriptures. God is one and God is three. What it tells us is, for us to be sons of God, we cannot live in isolation. We cannot live individualistic, independent lives. It is not just me and Jesus and nobody else. That is not the gospel. That is not God. That is not the church. Let me read some scriptures to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. If you're on your own today, I pity you. Because you've got no one to lift you up. You say, I got the Lord. If I can say it respectfully, that's not enough. The Lord is all you have, yes. But he says, I placed you to be part of a covenant community. Verse 11 says, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? If someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together? Unless they are agreed. See, why are we emphasizing today this whole idea of covenant? It's because that's the very DNA of this community because I believe it's the very DNA of God himself. And we are here to express God's life in all its fullness. And we appreciate that many people come along here on a Sunday, uh, attending services or meetings, whatever you want to call them. God bless you, but God has much more for you than that. And just because your name is on a membership list, that doesn't mean anything. That's right. It's the life that we're living in covenant together. Well, it means something, but it means more than sometimes we make it. I want to give you just five things this morning about some very practical applications of their friendship. Um, in everything else that's going on with us. Uh, and the first thing I want to say is this we find is that the first practical application is they stood together. In verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought in and stood before the king. I love the fact that when the heat was on, as they knew it would, they knew it was going to happen. They knew that what, what they believed in, they were going to have to pay. And today, friends... What you really believe in, I don't want to scare you, but you're going to have to pay a price for it. From the time I got saved 47 years ago now, today in this country, it's not just okay to be a Christian. It's not okay now. We're actually treated more and more as the outsiders. And you're having to stand. That's not because we're nasty. It's because we're right. Okay? God loves the world. 
But it's interesting, when they came in together, they stood together. They knew that they were going to stand. Now, why did they stand? They didn't stand because they were naughty boys. It wasn't like, "What what on earth did you do, Shadrach? Who did you upset this time? Meshach, you with your mouth going on about Jesus being Lord all the time, did you have to be so radical? Couldn't you just... You know, you know, when Josh strung up the guitar, couldn't you just bow one little knee a little bit? They came together. Do you know why they stood together? Because they stood together, not because they were mates. They, were, they stood for a common cause. Covenant friends, the friends I'm talking about, the kind of friend I want to be, the kind of friends I want, a man and women of all ages, who stand together for a common cause. You see, I'm talking about more than men or women who are buddies or mates, who just share maybe the same musical tastes or hobbies or holiday venues. Uh, They're all right. Those are things are fine. They're great. Or you, you know, you, you follow the same sports team, although I do have a special affinity for anybody who follows a certain soccer team who wears red who are not Liverpool. Well, Cardiff are red now, of course, as well. So, But in my heart, they'll always be blue. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. Now, those things might be involved in it. But real, practical covenant friendship is men and women who have a common vision, who have seen the same thing. That's what lasts. That's really what lasts. People come, people go. Many reasons. But what stays is that you see the same thing. You see, this morning rang all my bells when we sang that song, Lift Up Your Heads, Open Your, get, open your Gates, open, whatever it was. <laughs> open the doors. Why? Because... For them, the issue was this. The common cause was this. Nebuchadnezzar, you ain't God. What you've built is not God. Nebuchadnezzar, there is only one God. And we serve him. Do you know what? We could transpose that into modern day language and we could say this. Jesus is Lord. He's coming back. For a perfect bride. He's not coming back. And this is no disrespect. He's not coming back for a charismatic bride. And a Presbyterian bride. Or a Baptist bride. Or a Pentecostal bride. Or a Ministries Without Borders bride. Because there ain't no bride called Ministries Without Borders. He's coming back for a bride. It's called a church. He's coming back when everything's been restored. You see... That's what I believe. Because I believe that's what the Bible says. Now, the message that we carry as a church is not popular. Not because it's wrong, but because it's radical. And the same thing for them. If you understand, Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world. You put together the President of the United States, the the leader of the bank, what's it called, the International Monetary Fund, with all the military power of every nation. He had it all. You didn't say no to Nebuchadnezzar and live. Unless God was with you. But these were men and women who had a courage to them. I'm calling for courage today. Do you stand for a cause? If so, there are men and women who are your friends who will stand with you. But it will cost you your life. We're, we're into radical. Amen. Amen. Which will also keep a smile on your face. Amen. Here's the second thing. These were covenant friends who not only stood together, they spoke together. They spoke together. Erling talked to us about, even about the way we speak. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, They replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. 
I love the fact it says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. It doesn't say Shadrach because he was the one with the mouth. It says they all, they all chipped in. It may well be saying, Lord, King, we don't need to answer you in that. And the other one said, that's right. That's right. He's right. You know, I agree with him. We don't, we don't, we don't need to answer you on that. And one of them wasn't saying, oh, boys, <laughs> just remember where we are. No, not at all. They spoke with the same faith. One of them may be more outspoken at a certain time. One of them may be more eloquent. But it wasn't the case of two of them saying, King, our God is able and you know, he's going to protect us and we don't need you to defend you. And Isn't that right, Meshach? That's right, Shadrach. That's right. You call it, brother. Abednego? Well, um, well brother, if that's what you believe, then uh, okay, I'll go with you a little bit further. Or, I beg to differ. Do you think we could just pop outside and, and, and discuss our, our conviction? The time comes when you have to stand up and speak up. I get amazed sometimes. I've said it before to you. I get amazed that sometimes people apologize for me. Or they apologize for the church because they say, Well, yeah, I belong to All Nations Church. I'm sorry. Yes, we are radical. Yes, we believe the Bible. I'm sorry. Don't apologize. I've never been so proud to belong to this. Do you know, we teach a lot about the power of agreement. The power of agreement is not just saying, you, you, you need a new house, agreement, power. Yeah? You need to be healed, power of agreement. I believe in all that, you know that. But the power of agreement is this. I believe the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I believe that we're going to all nations, make disciples of all nations. I believe. That's the power of agreement. Amen. Amen. That's it. It's not like, oh, no, that's big talk. Big talk. Just rein it in a little bit. Big talk. I shared some weeks ago from, with you from Genesis 11. Um, the only redeeming feature about the Babylon story was the fact that it says, when God said, if there's one people speaking the same language, nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Why? Because they were a covenant people. They learned the secret of this. saying, do you know, we're agreed on this. We agreed. Yeah, we're agreed. We're agreed. We build this, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. And let's work, let's do it. And they said, we're going to build this, build this temple, build this city, build this tower rather, and we're going to make it to heaven. Yes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do. Why? Because we have a conviction. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes, that's right. It's going to happen. So we have to lift our agreement up. Can someone agree with me for my job or my health? Valid. Totally valid. We keep doing that. But does someone agree with me in saying, do you know something? The earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the world has covered the sea. Mm, well, that's a theological point, isn't it? You know, it's true. I agree. Thank you. Because <laughs> that's what keeps you. See, they agree together. Oftentimes you'll see in the story, in Daniel, you find this word, resolve. Continue. Daniel resolved. They resolved. They resolved. And some of the things you do, you resolve through your words. They agree together. You see, it's not enough just to put your bottom on a seat week by week. Because when you agree together, you identify. You see, when I married Diane, it wasn't just we stood together. And when the, when the man said, will you take it to be your wife? I didn't say. In the eyes of God and the law, at the moment I say, you're mine, I take you to be my wife. She's my wife. She's mine. And I'm yours. <laughs> There's a power in agreement. And friends, let me encourage you, when you're sitting in your Starbucks and your Cafe Nero, wherever it is, or Coco Rico, or wherever the posh people go, speak 
take it back to the point, when you're bringing things of God into your friendships, speak what you agree. There's a lot of disagreement. Oh, I didn't like that. Don't like that. Didn't like that. What do you believe? What do you believe? Do you know, that's why I love, every time I see Rob, my friend Rob here, every time I see Rob Sherwin, you know, we, now he's not working in the building, I appreciate him even more. Because whenever we get together, within two minutes, you know, we're talking about just not the Lord, what we believe, what we're going for, what we've seen. It happens every time, doesn't it? All the time. It's been like that for years. Because <laughs> you're my covenant friend. That's how you live. Yeah, you talk about things, you talk about the family, you talk about the kids, you talk, but you're thinking, it doesn't long before you're thinking, what's the Lord doing? We speak together, we're free. Third thing is this. These very simple things, friends. These are simple things who encourage us on our way. Third thing is this. They were thrown in the fire together. Verse 23. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. I've I've been reading this story ever since I was a little boy in Sunday school. I can't read it these days without being incredibly moved by the fact that these men really believed what they believed. Because we know the end of the story, but they didn't. It's easy to read the story now. They didn't. They didn't go in the fire knowing that they were going to come out. Because they'd said by their own agreement, doesn't matter if we don't come out. Meshach, we may not come out. That's okay. Abednego, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. King, you can do what you like. We're agreed. We agreed, boys. We're agreed. We're agreed. We're agreed. Our God is able. God can do it. God can perform a miracle. He could, he could flatten them all out. He could send the rain and put the fire out. He could do anything. And we can walk out of here alive. But even if he doesn't. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you, are you ready? I'm ready. That's confession. That's agreement. You, yeah, I'm ready. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. They were actually thrown into a fire that's so hot to kill the men who threw them in. Do you know what gets me here is that when the moment of proof came, it's easy to sit, it's easy to stand, it's easy to talk. But if you really are a man or woman of covenant and you really have seen the glory of God filling this earth, I'm not saying that you're going to have to be thrown into a fire. But you're going to go through one. What I love about this, when the moment actually came, because they had time to back out, he said to them, Now, if you bow down now, all you've got to do is bow. That's a good deal. Okay, I'll do it now, I'll repent later. They were being bound up. They were being tied. They had time. Think about the story. Think about these real men. They are part of the cloud of witnesses. These real men. They're not thinking, hey, yeah, let's do this. A roaring fire. They're thinking, I am going to burn. My friend is going to burn. And if we can... They had time. But nobody backed out. Nobody backed out. Nobody compromised under pressure. Well, do you know something? If you really hold to that, if you really believe that, it's going to mean this for you and this for you and this for you. That's why you need people with you. (laughs) You think, wow, that's a big... But then you say, I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. You mean that you'll walk into the fire with me? Yeah. If they burn you, they're going to burn me. That's who we are. 
It wasn't this, as we do, because we're polite Christians. After you, brother. (laughs) You've always been the pioneer. You've always been the brave one. I'm right behind you, bro. that at all no abandonment I love the fact that at the moment when they tied they were tied together the scripture doesn't tell us but you kind of knowing these men you kind of look all they did they just kept saying they look at each other it's going to be all right we're going into the presence of God if we don't make it that's okay I'll see you on the other side will it hurt yeah it'll hurt it's going to hurt for a while but you you won't know much about it don't worry you'll be strong one of them maybe was thinking, I don't like fire. That's okay, don't worry. It'll hurt, but you'll be in, you know, you'll be in conscious in a few seconds. Don't worry. It's going to be all right. It's going to be one. It's okay. Yeah. We're going to make it. So they weren't, they weren't concerned about their own well-being. They were only concerned about one thing. You're my Lord. You're my God. I'm going to face you in a minute. I'm going to see you. They didn't have a death wish. They wanted to live. They were young men. You see, we talk about covenant. We live covenant. But you've got to put the shoe leather on it. To call someone a covenant friend or a covenant brother, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. But when the chips are down, when you're thinking, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Bro, you're, you're going to go through something really big right now. I want you to know something. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've got no prophetic word for you. (laughs) But I'm with you. They hurt. They touch you. They touch me. We're not going down together. We're going on together. I I kind of imagine them as they were... They want to make flippant. It's almost as if... As they were lifted up and the three of them... It was almost say, Let's go! (laughs) Not yippee! But it was almost as if this was the moment that God had brought them to. But they knew that if they were going to die, they were going to die in covenant and they would come through into the presence of God in covenant together. But imagine that. They were going to go together. Fourth thing is this. I'm not trying to be sentimental or maudling or frightening. I just want, when we talk about covenant, we can't escape this angle of it. There are blessings in it, incredible blessings. But there's incredible responsibility. You know, the wonderful thing about this, verse 25, is the fourth thing is that they walked together in the fire. They actually, I don't know if they were surprised. Verse 25. Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, he was a pretty cool guy. He thought he had everything. And he says, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. We'll come to that in a second. You see, right in the midst of the ordeal, and I'm not prophesying ordeals. I'm just saying, in our life together, there are times... Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But we're more than conquerors. But let's be honest, we're not immune from difficult situations. I just look around here, and I respect and admire so many of you of the things that you've come through. And you know as well as I do, you've come through, not just because of you, you've had friends who have brought you through and are bringing you through, and you're bringing other people through. Not through problems all the time. But in the midst of the ordeal, in the midst of the trial, they suddenly found themselves still alive. Imagine that. Going, and all of a sudden, wow. Shadrach? Still here, pal. Meshach? Man, this is cool. Instant Santan. Abednego? I knew everything was going to be okay. You know, I love it because it says they'd been thrown in bound. But they were walking around 
together. They were free. There were no ropes on them. No harm on them. Even in the middle of what the world was trying to confine them to, they were free men. Even in the middle of the fire, they were free men. You see, you can walk through a difficult situation. You can be through a trial. You can be through an ordeal. But you're free. Oh, it's weighing me, weighing me down. No, I'm free. That's why I was so blessed by Joe Hexter's testimony here just a few weeks ago. I love her testimony. She says, it's been the, probably the worst year of our life. But you know something? God is a good God. God is a faithful God. She just kept saying, God's been good. God. And I know some of the things they've been through. And thinking, poor man. That's, I wish I could can that testimony. Because <laughs> it came from a life that says, you know something? This is what's true. Because you're free. No ropes on them. Do you know also they made no attempt to get out? They were walking around. No, they weren't masochists or thinking, oh yeah, Lord, punish us. Have you ever thought about that? Boom, we're still alive. Quick, let's make a run for it. They didn't do that. No one was saying, see you guys, I'm off. Too hot for me in here. I'm out of here. They walked around together. See, if you're a man or woman of covenant, you're not thinking, in this, how, how can I get out of this right now and, and leave my brother there? No, no, no. They were, they were going to see this whole thing through together. That's why we're a people who stick together. Amen. Many of you like me, we've been in this church many, many years. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we're still here. Why not? Because we're surrendering, about to give up. These are the glory days, folks. I wouldn't swap these days for any day. Why? They walked together because they were right in the middle of God's will. And guess who turned up? The fourth man. Nebuchadnezzar called him an angel, but it was in fact Jesus. Most people agree today, it was Jesus. He looked like a son of the gods, because he was the son of God, right in the middle of the fire. When three men are walking together in covenant, do you know something about God? He cannot resist it. He puts himself right in the fire with them. He wasn't saying, well, when you come out, you come and worship me. He said, you backed me, you called on my name. You declared that I am God and I'm able and I'm king. And you agree with that and you're living that. Do you know that's what God is looking for today? Many things done in the name of Jesus that have nothing to do with him. That's why we have to be careful that everything we do is in line with the scriptures in the name of Jesus. But he says this. When I see men or women who are joined together in a covenant friendship and a covenant relationship, who are not only prepared to stand together and speak it, but are prepared to go through the fire, you know what God says? That's what Jesus says in the Word. We're two or three to come together in my name. That's not an excuse for small churches or independence. He says, wherever I see men and women who live like I live, I'm going to turn up. Jesus hadn't come to rescue them. He came to fellowship with them. God had already rescued them. It wasn't like they fell in the fire and Jesus said, Psst, over here. <laughs> and free them. The moment they went in the fire, they, they were free. They walked around. And Jesus was there. Now I know you've got to work all this out in your life. I'm not giving you specifics today. I'm just giving you the heart of God for this church and your life. Friends, if you have Jesus as your Lord and the center of your life, and you have true covenant friends, you can walk through fire. I know that from personal experience. And if you're going through the fire, whatever it is, make sure you have your friends with you in the fire. And if you're walking through something with your covenant friends, be a friend in the fire. Don't be a fair-weather friend. 
if you really love one another as Jesus loves us, we won't abandon each other. Final thing is this. I love this. Don't you love this? I love this story. There's so much in it. And I know it's touching our hearts today. Last thing is this. They came out together. Ta-da! Hollywood story. They came out together. And did you notice there was no, no effect of the ordeal was on them? No burn of the flesh. I mean, we have many doctors and nurses here this morning. I'm sure maybe some of you would see some of these things. Can you imagine someone going in an inferno and coming out with no burn? That is ridiculous. It's a miracle. Their clothes weren't burned. They weren't even singed. Not even the hair on their body was singed. No eyebrows gone. No eyelashes. Nothing. You know? Nothing at all. And even more, there was no smell of the fire. You know, you go to a bonfire, you can smell it for weeks. But the smell, it was as if they'd never been there. But they had. But it was as if they'd never been there. There was no rope holding them. They came out free. Do you know, in our life, when you come through things, come through them. Come out the other side. You may go through things, but if you have your covenant friends with you, you won't be a man or woman who comes out bitter. You won't start thinking, suffered loss or damage to your spirit or your mind or recriminations. Where were you? Or accusations. There was none of that going on. If you're going through things, first of all, don't go through them alone. But when you come through, and I've been through things. I've had, I've had opportunity in my life, Diane and I have opportunity in our lives, after things that have happened to us, if it hadn't been for our covenant friends, we could have become bitter. We could look back now on those things and we could say, well, attitudes against people. Where we, you would. But I know that I have men and women who have been that to me, who have covenant friends to me, and as well as the Holy Spirit, have been the means by which the Lord has made sure that I'm not bitter. It's not a bitter face. It's just the face the Lord gave me. Do you know why? Because if you understand what I'm really talking about, that's for them. Something greater was forged in the fire. Much, much greater. So when they came out, I love it, they came out together. They brought each other out. It wasn't every man for himself. When Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, come out, Shadrach says, see you boys. (laughs) Done it. We're through now. I'll see you around. Boom. They didn't leave anyone. We don't know which one came out first. Maybe they kind of linked arms and said, we're all going together. I don't know how they did. I got a feeling they did. It wasn't like, you know, well, uh, Shadrach, I'm the first named. I better go first. (laughs) They came out together. I checked with a friend of mine, a military friend, ex-military friend. He said, one of the worst things any military person can do is to leave his comrade wounded on the field of battle. You don't do that. When you come through, you come through. I kind of imagine, we never hear another thing about them. I kind of imagine that for years later, they look back on that day with laughter. 
And maybe they had to go through other trials. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I'm sure they look back and they say, do you remember that moment <laughs> when you said, Meshach, maybe, do you remember that moment when you said, we don't need to defend yourselves against you, Nebuchadnezzar? Do you remember the look on his face? <laughs> and Meshach said, yeah. And you remember, Shadrach, when you said, our God is able? And I said, amen. And then you said, but even if he does it, and I thought, wow, that's a... I remember you saying that, bro. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did, was it you that said that? No, I think it was you that said that. <laughs> they remembered it, not with nostalgia, but they looked back because they lived that way the rest of their lives. Let me conclude by just saying this then. And that's all I have to say. And I trust this has been a, an encouragement to you. And I know that we are in process. We're, we're, we're making progress. And all I know is that God doesn't want any of us lonely. And we're born to belong. And we had a prophetic word this morning about destroying something. And don't rebuild it. And maybe in our life at the moment, the Lord is taking, no, don't live that way anymore. I want, you to leave, I want to build a new way of living into you. Can I say this in conclusion then? Allow other people into your life. You'll never survive on your own. Christian life is a covenant life. It's lived in community, in, in true friendship. And I'm so blessed to see so many different levels of, of friendship around where some of you have become new friends and affirm friends and others. It's not that we're all the same, because Jesus was like that. Jesus loved everybody, but he had 12, and then he had three friends. Interesting, he had three friends. But allow other people into your life. If you think Christianity is just coming along to meetings on Sundays and just going about your business through the week, you're never going to survive, not on this day ever. You're going to have to find somewhere, not a, mem- a, a place where you think, I like this worship, or I like the word, or I like the, I like the coffee. <laughs> no, 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 no. Christian life is this. I belong to these people. And you know some, And if we, if we met in a shed, it wouldn't make any difference. On the other side of it, give yourself to others. Give yourself. For some of you, that's going to be your healing. You've thought about yourself for far too long. You've thought that everything revolves around you. But you've got to give yourself to others. And when I mean that, beyond the superficial and the cosmetic. Be the friend to other people that you want others to be to you. Say, be the friend to others that you want others to be to you. That's why Jesus said, if you obey me, I don't longer call you my disciples. I call you my friends. In that then, there must be no cliques, no factions, no parties. That doesn't mean we can have a party, okay, but no party. No, no party spirits. No curmudgeon's corner. Well, what's the basis of our friendship? Well, the basis of our friendship is we don't like him. <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> what's the basis of our meeting here today? Well, we just want to discuss all the problems in the church. Yeah, but they're not all. Sometimes when people have to see them, there's lots of people think this which usually means two man and a dog. And when I, praise God, we're not problem. We're not, we're not plagued with problems. We're, things are going well. Think God is with us, you know. Just look in the mirror. God is with us. But no curmudgeon's corner, no cliques, no factions, not just my mates. I know probably the people who are closest in my life to me, I have very little in common with them on certain things. Politically, um, on, uh, on tastes, uh, many, many things. Even cultures and nations come from different cultures, uh, different mindsets. It's not like, I like him because he's Welsh. He's a valley's boy. <laughs> or, uh, 
if I can say it respectfully, she's from the same tribe as me back in Nigeria. She's okay. She's, she's one of mine. I can, but I, I, I couldn't talk to a Chinese. I couldn't, God couldn't talk to a Chinese girl. Why not? We're all nations. <gasps> I'm not talking about race, white and black. I'm talking about covenant. Because we are covenant friends joined together for the purpose of God. And the greatest thing that I'm seeing and wonderful encouragement today is that just as those covenant friends, when they walk through the fire together, Jesus himself, Jesus himself was in the midst. And in everything that we're doing today, in every aspect of life, it's all to do with the fact is that we want Jesus to be in the midst of every marriage, of every life, of every friendship, of every decision, of everything that we do. Why? Because we are here joined together for his glory. I think when they saw him in the fire, they said, yes. That's why they didn't want to get out. <laughs> yes. Because he didn't come out with them. But he did. So I trust that encourages you. I'd just like to pray a moment and hand back the tea. I don't want you to feel in any way less. I want to try and encourage you today that you say, can we really live like that? We're already living like that. (laughs) This is not an impossibility. This is where we live. Just take a moment. Just allow the Holy Spirit to just to speak into your own heart, not to condemn you, but just to speak to you about your own friendship. Greatest thing of all is that you're a friend of God, but that he puts you together in relationship and friendship with brothers and sisters. And just allow him to run the reel and his plumb line, that plumb line that Charles mentioned to us. Just allow him to put the plumb line from what you've heard this morning into your own heart. And let him confirm you and encourage you if he needs to correct you and adjust you. Just in these moments, just allow the Spirit to do that. And then we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the example of uh, our three, three covenant brothers because they belong to us. And thank you that they are with you now in glory as part of the great company of the cloud of witnesses that they're alive today. I thank you that they they were willing to put their whole life on the line together for what they'd seen. And thank you, Lord, that what they said was true, that you were able. And Lord, there are times when you deliver And there are times when we go through and come into your presence. But we want to thank you today for your church. That it's not a loose collection of individuals. We're a covenant people. And in all the things that you're reminding of us these days, in the many aspects, I want to thank you for this aspect. That we're willing to go all the way together, whatever the cost. Because it's worth it. I want to thank you for bringing friends into my life, into Diane's life. I want one of them before you. And I pray that every one of us, because you've designed us this way, will know the joinings in these days of what will hold us together. And thank you as we find them all. It might be shoulders and limbs and knees, but the whole body is joined together. I want to thank you so much for every brother and sister in this auditorium today. For those who will be listening in days to come. I just pray that every one of us will know where we belong and with whom we are joined. For your glory. Amen. Thank you ever so much. God bless you. You've been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast 
or find out more about us, log on to www.ornationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.